are Locked On Sun Devils, your daily podcast on the Arizona State Sun Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to a Thursday edition of the Locked On Sun Devils podcast. Today we got quite the show for you guys as we start previewing for Arizona State football's game against the Washington Huskies this week going up against the Huskies. We're going to preview the offense and the defense of the Huskies. After that, we're going to talk about three players to watch, both both sides of the ball, and then we're going to close it out with a little bit of basketball talk. We want to talk about Marion Jackson, giving him more time, and just give you our quick thoughts on the game tomorrow night. But first of all, thank you for making the Locked on Sun Devils podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms, and that means you can find us anywhere and everywhere. Spotify, Odyssey, Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, we're there Monday through Friday, giving you the absolute best Arizona State sports talk that you're going to find. My name is Richie Bradshaw, joined always by my good friend Connor Drios. Follow, uh, excuse me. Follow us on Twitter, myself at RichieBrads36, Connor at C Drios, and then follow the Locked On Sun Devils Twitter page as well at LO underscore Sun Devils. Before we get started, this episode of the Locked On Sun Devils podcast is brought to you by McDonald's. Proudly serving communities since 1965. Ba da ba ba. I'm loving it. Connor, I am contractually obligated to ask you, as I do every podcast. How are you? Not too bad. Uh, great win yesterday by the Sun Devils. Now we have basketball and football in full swing at this point, but uh, not too bad. Looking forward to a Veterans Day off as we get ready for the second game of the season. Yeah, so quick, uh, just quick shout out to the veterans. Thank you guys for everything that we do. Absolutely. Not we do, that you do, and providing us the safety in this country for all your sacrifices. So Thank you guys very much for everything that you do for us. With that being said, let's go ahead and hop into some Arizona State football content. So, first things first, the, the Sun Devils are going up to Seattle this Saturday to take on the Huskies. The Huskies of which are not the same Washington Huskies that made the playoff just a few years ago. In fact, they're, I wouldn't call them bottom feeders. That's not That's not accurate. But they're definitely not even remotely close to being contenders for the Pac-12 title as a whole. Washington on the season sits at la da 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 da, four and five on the year. And they're not that great in Pac-12 play either. By the looks of it, they are one, two, three, and three in Pac-12 play. Nothing great. They're just, they're not what they once were. They did beat Arizona. Who hasn't beat Arizona this year? I mean, besides Cal, of course. Everyone else has found a way to beat U of A this year. And they should definitely be embarrassed about that. But bringing the focus back to the Huskies, let's start looking at the offense, or lack thereof, honestly. Yeah, so their offense hasn't been incredibly impressive this year. Uh, In terms of total yards, they sit essentially third to last in the Pac-12, I believe. Uh, when you look at their passing yards per game versus their rushing yards per game, uh, passing, they sit about middle of the pack. They're averaging 216 yards per game through the air. 
The rushing game, just nothing to speak of. They, they have a plethora of running backs they do like to use, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, but they are third to last in total rushing yards at 115 per game. So just their, their defense is clearly going to be their strength. Um, they actually will, I don't know if to cut out of the bag, but in terms of overall Pac-12 defenses, uh, they've been very, very solid this year. Uh, I think we've talked in past episodes about how good uh, there have been some prospects coming out of that school, especially as of late. Uh, so it, the secondary is not necessarily going to be something that Jaden Daniels wants to throw to. Uh, but the good news for the defense for ASU is that we don't necessarily have to focus too much on the Huskies' offense trying to win this game. It's going to be solely focused on that defense. Yeah, I think that's pretty spot on. They really don't have a lot to speak of offensively. It's not like their quarterback was blowing anyone out of the water. Their receivers, they, they have one guy who's solid in Jalen McMillan. The defense, or not the defense, excuse me, the run game, Sean McCrew is the guy. After that, they've got a handful of other quote-unquote guys there. But there's no one on this offense that's really splashy. They do have an offensive tackle that we're going to talk about during the three players that we highlight. But... Yeah, offense, really not that impressive. And against a really good Arizona State defense, we should be able to hold them under 20 points. I, I would think we we should be able to. I would agree. It's going to be a situation where I think ASU is really just going to be able to, to try to control the clock against this defense to kind of keep it away. But like for an ASU defense who's just been so opportunistic this year, they're, they should be able to almost manhandle this offense. It's not even so much like a, a USC who's missing like their best weapon now at, in Drake London. This Washington offense really just doesn't have that many re- just players to speak of. It's nothing against the running backs or receivers, but uh, or even their quarterback. But looking at it, I'm if I'm their defensive coordinator, I'm I'm not scared whatsoever. It, everything's going to lie in in Jaden Daniels' hands going up against this defense. On the flip side of the coin, though, Washington has a very very good defense. Yep, definitely. They essentially are, whether it's passing or rushing yards, um, it doesn't really matter overall because what, what truly does matter is their points per game. ASU is second uh, in the Pac-12 in terms of points per game given up at 20.2. Just in front of them now is Washington at 19.7, mainly because they lead the Pac-12 in passing yards per game at 141 yards per game given up. 141 yards per game, and that leads the Pac-12 by a pretty wide margin. Second place is going to be U of A at 182, but, but I we know that's skewed. That's a little skewed because they're just so bad against the run. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Washington is not necessarily great against the run themselves, uh, so it might be a situation where they're a little bit more susceptible and they don't pass as much. Uh, they're actually second in the Pac-12 in terms of uh, rushing yards given up per game at 194. The only one worse than them uh, is Stanford. So, By a lot, too. Right. So, <laughs> yes, we can run it, rush against this team, which is great for Chip Tranum. It's great for Rashad White. Great for this team. I, as long as we're not in a situation where Jaden has to force the ball to come back, um, I, I think we should be able to be in, in pretty good control of this game. Yep, 100%. So, you just, and, and that's the key, right, is you need Jaden to be playing very well. The problem is Jaden has not been playing well. You're going on the road. In cold weather, too. That's something we need to have a serious conversation about. I'm not even sure the the worst weather game they've had to play this year. They definitely haven't had to play in any weather. But even then, uh, both Utah... Or no, no, we went to... Did we go to uh, We went to Utah, yes. Okay, so we went to Utah twice this year. That's probably the worst, quote-unquote, weather they've had to be in. And even then, it was like 
maybe 60s or 70s. Like, seriously, they haven't had to play in any sort of rain at all or anything this year. So uh, this is probably going to be the worst of it so far. Uh, it might change a little bit once we get to Oregon State later on this year. Yeah, as of right now, the kickoff for this game is supposed to be at 5 p.m. on the Pacific Coast. So, well, I guess in Arizona, it's the same time right now. It's, yeah. No, yeah, with daylight change. savings. Imagine imagine using daylight savings. Could not be Arizona. Could just not be Arizona. The world. I, I mean, Arizona is just, that. that's why we're the best state, is because we don't have to move our clock. It's the 49 other states that are the problem, not us, clearly. I mean, that, I, am I wrong? Am I wrong? We're going to find out, <laughs> but going back to this defense, clearly Washington has a great defense, so they almost mirror us a little bit in that sense, that their calling card is definitely their their defense, but I, I would say that our offense is a little bit more explosive than theirs, even though we've kind of talked about how Jaden Daniels needs to step up, he's definitely better than Washington's quarterback, uh, but this, this game's going to be 100% Rashad White. I would love for Chip Training to get back into the swing of things. Um, and he as, will. As long as he can hold on to the ball, there's not going to be a reason to bench him. But you got to get his confidence going, too. So this would be the perfect opportunity against uh, essentially a tissue paper kind of defense against the run game. So I, I would love to see Chip get worked back in, get close to his normal workload, um, and hopefully get in the end zone a, a time or two to get that confidence back up. Yeah, I don't know if his workload is going to be the same for the remainder of the season because he did fumble in back-to-back weeks, and they were critical fumbles that both led to touchdowns. But what I will tell you, is he's definitely going to get his touches. He sat out basically three quarters against against uh, who did we, we just play? Uh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. We just USC. Yep. Against USC. He basically sat out three quarters. And that that is going to be what lights the fire underneath Chip and gets him back in the right groove. But for the remainder of the year, it is Rashad White's backfield to run. And literally run, especially after he gouged, uh, gashed, excuse me, USC for 202 yards on the ground. There's no reason to get away from White, but White, Trainum, Daniels, and Nagata, I, I'm willing to bet, like, go, going ahead, uh, I, I'm not going to put my name in ink next to this prediction, but I think you're going to flirt with 250 rushing yards against a defense that is this bad against a run. And that's a winning formula because a defense that's that good against the pass, no need to pass it. And especially because right now the passing attack is pedestrian, to say it nicely, and you just—I I don't want to throw in the secondary, not with not with NFL caliber talent back there. No, and not if you don't have to. I think it's a little different if you have NFL caliber wide receivers to go up against. But uh, considering how so-so uh, Jaden Daniels has been, I don't really want to put the game in his hands. Like I, I'm not going to lie, I want to—I want him to snap that ball I'll and put turn it in around. his legs. Yeah, it, it, when when it calls for it. But uh, I'd much rather have him snap the ball, turn around, give it to Rashad White, uh, and hopefully let the defense go to work. Because I, I'm not worried about Washington's offense being able to move the ball. So as long as we can control the clock, um, lead several scoring drives and try not to stall, I, I'm not concerned about them uh, scoring on our defense. Yep. So I, I feel like we, we, have, we have given you the game script, Herm Edwards. Now just listen to us, like you always seem to do, because you definitely are probably our number one fan of this podcast. That is going to wrap up our first segment, though. When we return, we're going to talk about three players to watch for this Washington Huskies football team. A little bit of offense, a little bit of defense, and maybe a surprise. I guess we'll find out. You're listening to the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. 
This episode of Locked On Sun Devils is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than a place to get to just get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect. A place where classmates can meet up for a study group, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team or the away team can just come to recharge. It's a place that you always look forward to stopping at a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. Rich and I had actually stopped here a couple weeks ago after our game against Washington State. Uh, not a great game for the Sun Devils, but at least ended up great for the both of us, uh, getting some McDonald's to refresh ourselves. So head to your local McDonald's and refuel and reconnect. Did somebody say a locked on Sun Devils watch party? I think we're going to have to against this upcoming game against Washington. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, I'm loving it. And we're back. This is the Locked on Sun Devils podcast, a proud part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Thanks again so much for making us your first listen every day. Remember, we're free and available wherever you get your podcast. It is now time for me and Connor to discuss three players from the Washington Huskies football team that we're going to be keeping a close eye on for this game in Seattle for the Arizona State Sun Devils football team. There's a handful of guys on the offense that are worth noting, such as wide receiver Jalen McMillan, he's their leading receiver, and running back Sean McGrew, who is their leading rusher. For what it's worth, McGrew has 431 rushing yards and an impressive eight touchdowns. So he will probably be the main focus of their offensive attack, but quite frankly, we're not too worried about them. With that being said, we are going to stick to the offensive side of the ball, and we're going to start with talking about their fourth-year junior offensive lineman, Jackson Kirkland. Kirkland, a really, really good pass protector, very agile, very athletic, and a guy who's actually getting some serious NFL draft buzz. I've seen a few mocks with him in the first round, and Washington is no stranger to putting in some pretty solid offensive linemen over the last few years. They had Caleb McGarry go in the first round a few years ago for the Atlanta Falcons, and Trey Adams was potentially a top 10 pick before back-to-back ACL tears, which pretty much ended any chance of him getting to the NFL. But when he was healthy, my goodness, Trey Adams was good. So it looks like Jackson Kirkland could be the next in line to be a very good Washington Huskies offensive line prospect. And as Connor pointed out, he is not Costco brand. I had not pointed that out yet, but I was definitely going to. You, you did off, Mike. How can you hear Kirkland and not think of Costco? But but anyways, um, if he's going to go up against Tyler Johnson, that might be something super impactful for them. Um, ASU, through the first probably six, seven games, led the Pac-12 in uh, sacks. They've slowed down as of late, so we're really looking for Tyler Johnson to get going. But Shevin has got to get the ball out and get the ball out quick. Otherwise, I think this defensive line is going to be able to eat him up regardless of one good tackle or not. Yeah, the six foot six, 310-pound Jackson Kirkland was actually a first-team All-Pac-12 player last year. He's definitely going to be an absolute handful for this pass rush to try and get any success on. Now, moving over to the Washington defense, where they definitely have plenty of ammo to, get, to give Arizona State a lot of fits, let's go ahead and start with Jackson Sermon. Sermon's going to be so busy. So, so busy, man. And the reason's going to be Rashad White's going to see the ball, and he's going to get it early and often. If they're going to try to avoid passing ball against this Washington secondary, that means that uh, Sermon's going to be targeted, or at least, I shouldn't say targeted. He's going to have the job of trying to help stuff the run for the defensive line, uh, because once guys get to that second level, 
it's basically just going to be him. And Rashad White clearly has shown easily, not just beyond last week, the ability to get all the way into the end zone. So uh, we'll see how good he can be for them. Uh, I believe he leads their team in tackles so far this season. He does. Uh, at to- uh, 69 total tackles, three of them for a loss, one interception. Uh, so dude's been a stud for them, uh, Manning center field. Yeah, and he's, he's kind of had a really weird career. He was redshirted as a freshman and then was given another year to be a sophomore this year because of a COVID year last year that limited him to just four games. But he's been flying around the field. It's not a coincidence that he's leading their team in sacks. He's made a couple flash plays in the backfield. And at 6'3", 235, he's, he's your typical like modern linebacker build. He's definitely going to be one of the most important players for Washington to play defense against a very explosive Arizona State offense, especially in our run game. They're going to be relying on Sermon to set the tone in, in their front seven to try and slow us down, which, spoiler alert, they're not going to. The good news for them is it's going to be nearly impossible to throw on them thanks to Trent McDuffie. McDuffie is getting serious, just like Jackson Kirkland, some serious NFL draft buzz. It's a very good cornerback draft, like seriously stupid good. There's going to be a large handful of guys that go within the first 50 picks or so, and McDuffie should be one of them. McDuffie, just like Kirkland, is joining a very very good amount of talent that's been coming out of the secondary in recent years. While not all of these guys have panned out, this is a this is a secondary that's put out guys like Cindy Jones and Buda Baker, Byron Jones, or Byron Murphy, excuse me. Uh, I'm trying to think the Titans just grabbed one of these kids. Uh, Elijah Molden. Elijah Molden, yes. Kevin King also came out of there. Yeah, they've, they've been putting in a lot of really talented guys. Taylor Rapp. Taylor Rapp is another person. But it looks like McDuffie could join the likes of like a Buda Baker in terms of like just top end kind of secondary talent to come out of Washington. He's just he's not um, he's not just another name. McDuffie is really like stupid good. He he doesn't have any interceptions this year, and he only has three pass breakups. But that's because teams aren't throwing at him. If you're the defensive coordinator for Washington, who are you putting McDuffie on? Because if you're thinking potentially like Rashad uh, White, I, I'm not sure you can do that on the major, like overwhelming majority of the snaps. Could they split him out wide a little bit, or could you run like wheel routes, whatever? Yeah, totally. Uh, but I'm going to assume that's not be, uh, that's not going to be the case. Uh, but if you're trying to put him on like a, a Ricky Pearsall in the slot, uh, maybe. Uh, but I, I think. McDuffie is a little bit bigger, if I'm not mistaken. He sits at about 5'10", 5'11", about 185 pounds. Gotcha. Which, admittedly, going into this, I thought he was bigger. He plays a lot bigger than his frame. Like, I seriously thought he was like a 6'1 guy. No, he's just physical. If I guess if I'm their defense coordinator, I'd probably, like, feel out the first quarter or so, see who Jaden's go-to guy is, and try to just take him away. Because at that point, if you can just take that comfort level out, uh, essentially from underneath Jaden and force him to either hand the ball off or pass the ball to somebody else that might not be as consistent so far that day, that's probably going to be their best-case scenario, and you just don't try to target McDuffie the rest of the game. Yeah, first of all, sorry for smacking the death there. I'm sure some of you guys heard that. Uh, my knuckles certainly felt that. But what, what I was going to say with McDuffie is I don't even know if I want him to follow anyone around the field. I don't want him to follow Pearsall or Andre or Bunkley Shelton or anyone like that. Instead, I want to keep him on one side of the field and completely eliminate it. 
keep them on the just an example the right side of the field completely take away Jaden's dominant throwing arm and just force him to throw across his body and roll out to a side that he's not as comfortable throwing with McDuffie is an eraser I, and Arizona State doesn't have a receiver that can go up against a talent like him. I don't care that he's only 5'10 or 5'11 and that he's not 6'4, unlike an Andre Johnson who stands at 6'3. Because McDuffie is not going to give up any ground or any, any yardage or nothing. You're Just don't throw at him. How about that? Why are we highlighting him? Because I don't want to challenge him. It's as simple as that. I, do, I want nothing to do with Trent McDuffie in this game. You don't have to, and you can run the ball as effectively as, as the Sun Devils have been able to all year. And it's as, 100%. As much yards as, that, as they're going to give up on the ground, it's pretty much a match made in heaven for the Sun Devils. Yep, so just don't throw at McDuffie and run the ball at will against a bad run defense, and you're going to have a good time. But if you throw at Trent McDuffie, he's going to make you pay for it, and you're going to have a bad time. With that being said, those are three guys that were... Hot. We're looking forward to watching the most. Not not looking. I wouldn't forward say to. I would not looking not <laughs> looking forward to, to me, Trent McDuffie at all. Let me let me backtrack. Those are the guys we're going to be watching the most. Is that better, Mister Drios? Um, hopefully, I'm watching them pan off the camera as Jaden Daniels avoids them. Yeah, yeah, I just don't even put McDuffie on my screen. Just like tilt the camera up a little bit, and I'll just pretend he's not there. We'll, we'll play on like like four fifths of the field. For what it's worth, just. Just a funny little uh, comment for the NFL fans out there. In Darrell Revis's prime, and I'm not comparing McDuffie to Revis. Let me preface it right there. In Revis's prime, he literally, like, the Jets would shift, like, nine or ten of their players to the left side of the field and just have Revis completely on his own on the right. And, like, teams would just put a receiver out there and just say, screw it, we're going to try and do everything on the left side of the field. It's just funny because that that's how I'm picturing how Arizona State should approach this is just like, okay, Andre, I want you to go out all the way to the right sideline. You see Trent McDuffie? Yeah, you have fun with him. The other 10 of us are going to be on the left side of the field doing whatever the hell we want. We're going to play a football game, and you're just going to stand over there. I want you to stick your tongue out at McDuffie and make him so angry that he just focuses on you. Call, call him like a mama's boy or something. See if he can get in his head. That might work. Yeah, say, say his cleats are not fire. Ooh. There you go. Yeah. Uh, what I, I don't know what Wazoo's like war chant is. Like a, like ASU's got forks up and fork them, and U of A's got bear down, and uh, USC's got fight on. I don't know what Wazoo has, but whatever it is, just chant it right to his face and see, and see if that makes him upset. But anyways. If he picks off Jaden Daniels. I'll cry. Yeah. I will absolutely cry, especially because he doesn't have a pick this year, and it's because teams aren't throwing at him. So if he does get a pick... It's because you tested him, and I'm begging you, Jaden. I'm begging you. Do not, do not test Trent McTuffie. With that said, we are going to go ahead and wrap up our second segment. When we return, we're going to do a little bit of basketball talk. We're going to talk about getting Marion Jackson a little more time, considering how good he is. We're going to get a quick little preview of the team's game tomorrow night and round it out with just some general thoughts about the basketball team, anything that's kind of sitting on our mind going into this game, you are listening to the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. We're back and better than ever, folks. A new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this year. 
Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From basketball to football to NHL to hockey and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. And we're back for the third and final segment of the Locked On Sun Devils podcast, a Thursday edition, as we get ready for the basketball game tonight against UC Riverside. Connor, we got a little bit to talk about here, mainly focused on Marion Jackson. Yeah, so I, I think we might have even talked about this on yesterday's podcast. I can't remember. Days are like blending together at this point. But Marion Jackson was a guy who led the, the MAC in scoring last season with Toledo. After a, a Essentially not the outing you would hope for. He shot one from seven, had that one like buzzer beater at the end of the first half. Uh, pretty forgettable night for him. He did lead the team in five assists. Wasn't uh, that his only score? That was his only score in the night. So, not, again, nothing incredibly impressive. But uh, I, I actually didn't know this until after the game. But I guess Bobby Hurley said he missed practice due to an injury uh, about two days before and had a knee brace on. So it uh, could potentially be the knee brace impacting him. So maybe it... Might take him a little bit of time to get up to speed. Uh, but Mary Jackson, I, I think we do expect him to be a pretty big contributor down the stretch. It just might take a couple of games to get to that point. So if he doesn't have to be the guy early on the season, I think that's okay as long as we can start to see improvement as we get closer to Pac-12 play because uh, he's going to be pretty pivotal to their season. Yeah, and I mean, this is a guy who averaged 18.1 points last year, 19.8 the year previous. So we know that Marion Jackson can put up the points. It's just a matter of him getting comfortable on that knee. If that was the thing that was holding him back and making him uncomfortable that night. But he was getting the minutes. He was on the court for 26 minutes. So it's not a matter of him not being able to get on the court. It's a matter of making sure that he's comfortable. Because I think that short of short of uh, uh, Bagley, that he is probably your most important and most talented player on this basketball team. I, I think what you're looking for at this point is more of a trend, right? Mm-hmm. After we see a couple games, is this going to continue? Probably not. Uh, what about the efficiency of the shooting? Is he continuing to go one for seven? Probably not going to happen. He wouldn't be a starter for very long if he does. So I'd say as long as he continues to get a little bit better and better, that's all we're really looking for. So not the start we were hoping to see, uh, but for a win, you, you kind of take it with a grain of salt and hope that he can improve for the next game out. Yeah, so with that being said, let's just take a quick little look at tomorrow or tonight's game against uh, UC Riverside. So Arizona's coming into this Arizona State. Good Lord, I know I didn't just do that. Absolutely just slam me in the comments and at me on Twitter. I deserve that. That was awful. Hey, do you want to commentate the the Washington State football game? Ugh, I want to throw up after what I just did. The entire game just kept calling us Arizona. I... There's nothing that infuriates me more. No, side rant. There is nothing that infuriates me more than when people say Arizona. That's one of the, like, two or three times I've ever done that in my life. To hear... And wow, we got that on a recording? Oh, my God. (laughs) Can we edit it? Absolutely not. Crap. Well, I guess it's got to stick in. It's got to stick. To hear announcers and to hear officials consistently saying Arizona has has challenged this, Arizona will be charged with a timeout, blah, blah, blah. Oh, my goodness, Connor. It makes me irrationally angry. That's because it's illegal. This is Arizona State. 
not Arizona. We don't even talk about Arizona because they're not relevant. They might be in basketball. But anyways, for this game against UC Riverside, ASU's favored by 10, uh, projected over-under sitting at about 141.5. So uh, ASU, uh, again, projected to win and by a decently wide margin. Uh, really just win the game, first and foremost. you got to win the game, most important thing. Secondly, how can we improve on some of the things that went wrong in the first game, right? Some of the three-point shooting, that does not mean try to chuck up some more threes. Now, as Bobby Hurley had pointed out, he was pretty disappointed in how quick some of the first drives were. So it, drive down the court, try to move the ball around, see if you can get an open lane to the basket. If that's not there and you want to throw up a three, that's that's fine, but it's not about the volume. We're, we're looking for efficiency there. Uh, can they improve on their mistakes and get to 2-0 is going to be the big question. And coming off of a loss for UC Riverside. Uh, Callum McRae is their leading scorer. He played 26 minutes. He had 13 points, four rebounds, one assist. J.P. Mormon and Zion Pullen both were second place, tied for nine points of the team's 53 points. So not not a team that on paper should, should put up much of a fight against Arizona State, but, I mean, crazier things have happened. I mean, for God's sake, we took the we took the 24.5-point spread for us to beat Portland. So... A 10-point spread. Do we take that one? Uh, I'm, I'm going uh, to take UC Riverside to cover, just until I can see it consistently more out of ASU. Uh, we, we say consistently that that winners cover the spread. I'm not saying ASU is not one. Uh, let's just go win that game, but we'll, we'll see if they can actually cover the spread. Yeah, as, as a famous friend of ours, uh, Mr. Logan J. Bell would say, Good teams win, great teams cover. But that's neither here nor there. With that being said, that's going to go ahead and finish this edition of the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. Thank you guys so much for stopping by and making us your first listen of the day. Go ahead and make the Locked on Pac-12 podcast your next listen. Hosted by our good friend Cindy Robinson, covering everything in the Pac-12 in 30 minutes or less. Everything you need to know right there on the Locked on Pac-12 podcast, Monday through Friday, wherever you get your podcast. Speaking of... Monday through Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. That's where the Locked On Sun Devils is. Monday through Friday on Odyssey, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. You know, wherever you get your podcast, me and Connor are there Monday through Friday giving you the absolute best content on the Arizona State Sun Devils. Biased or not, it's true. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, myself at RichieBrads36, Connor at Cedrios, and the podcast at LO underscore Sun Devils. 70 to 7, you keep it locked right here on Locked On Sun Devils.